I've also, I've got to finish a story that I've started several times. And my Megan was telling me after the service last week, she goes, hey, you started this story again, uh, but you never finish it. And so um, I, I've shared several times about how there was uh, a season of my life where we were seeking God for some clarity and some answers about what it is that we should be doing, what I should be doing. And this op- opportunity opened up and the counsel was that, yeah, you should take this thing. And Megan was like, I feel like God's inspiring me that I'm going to love the man that you're going to become as a result of it. And then I got into the job and the job was torturous. I mean, I felt like God was kind of green lighting it. Everybody in my life felt like God was green lighting it. And so I imagined what it was going to be like. And I imagined a pretty superlative experience. I mean, I was going to be the man. I mean, it like money was going to come and, you know, like prosperity and prom, uh, prominence and power. You know, I was going to, I was going to be the man. And I got into this thing and it was very much the opposite of that experience. I was terrible at the job. I couldn't get the guy to fire me. I like I, three months in, I was like, I was like, this is terrible. This is, this is really bad. I, I don't, I'm, I hate this. I'm not sleeping. I'm really doing badly. I know you're not happy. I'm not happy. Nobody here is happy. And he's like, are you quitting? And I was like, no. Hoping you'll fire me, you know? <laughs> but I didn't have the courage to say it. I probably, it probably could have saved a lot of pain if I had. So I stayed in that position and I stayed in that role and I'm working so hard and doing everything I can to try and do it. It's like, it's like trying to do something that you'll never be good at, you know? And, and so um, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm exerting all the effort I can. And, you know, I stop sleeping at night. Um, I, get, I get arrhythmia, like my heartbeat's all irregular. Go to the doctor and they're like, man, you're a mess, you know? And like, you need vitamin D and all sorts of things in your body. And like my hair's falling out, you know, I'm like 23 years old and I'm dying, you know? And, um, and Megan's like, I just hope the man I married comes home today, you know? Like, and it's like, oh, so that's not encouraging. Like you said, you were going to love me. Like in this position, this is your fault. You felt like God told you these good things and here I am and here we are. Well, you know, okay, God, okay. You know, and, and, you know, I was like dying on the inside and that's where I normally stop telling the story. (laughs) I keep forgetting to tell you the part where that season came to an end and it, and God changed my life. Uh, I saw a series of things. I saw a video that inspired me, pressing in in prayer, getting into the word. And I realized that God was calling me to something very different than I was, I was in. I was serving in one manner, in one capacity, expecting a certain thing, but God had a different thing in mind altogether. But before I could step into that thing, he had to test me. He had to test me and take me through a grind and press me and, and, and give me way more than I could handle to teach me about humility to teach me about failure. You know, that fail, you don't die if you fail, unless you fail to breathe, right? Or you're like, you're not going to die. Like you're not going to die if you don't do well at your job. It's, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to die if you don't get straight A's. You're not, you're not going to die if you can't pay your electric bill this month, right? The, the, these things, they're not, those things aren't going to kill you as hard and as, as huge and monumental as they can seem in our lives. They, you're not, they're not going to, they're not going to kill you. And, um, and so God taught me some things and Megan was like, Hey, I just, she was almost like checking to make sure I knew it. She's like, but I I really love the man that you've become as a result of that season because, because 
it, it humbled you and it taught you grace and it gave you skills and it, and it, it made you into a different man than you were before. Um, for a while though, I was just like, a, a, you know, you know that a caterpillar, there's a little while when a caterpillar between the time that it's a caterpillar and it's a butterfly that it's like, it's like, it's goop. It's like butterfly soup or, you know, it's like not really, that's how I was for a little while. And, and it took a little while for God to piece that together and take all the elements, all the components that were there, and then to turn it into something that was pleasing, um, pleasing, it, pleasing to him and therefore also pleasing to, to my wife. And then hopefully pleasing and beneficial for you all as well. But it took, it took that breaking season. It took, it took God just pummeling me, using men to pummel me for a season so that, I could, so that I could grow in intimacy with him and I could become uh, more who he's called me to be. And so is life, right? We go through these transitions time after time after time. And, and so you might find yourself uh, in a season of crushing, in a season of being butterfly soup. I want to encourage you that it won't always be there. God's doing a thing and I want you to stand firm. I want you to stay faithful in the season that God has you in. Don't stay longer than you should. Don't sit down in there and be like, well, life is supposed to be uncomfortable, so let me make my life uncomfortable. If your life is not uncomfortable, don't make it uncomfortable. That, that'd be foolish because discomfort's gonna come on its own. And God's gonna bring, God will bring you into seasons and he'll bring you out at its proper time. Uh, I love what, Pim, Tim, uh, what Peter says. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. He will lift you up at the proper time. And so a big part of this is understanding, is this a pressure? And an, am I, am I, is this something that God is putting on top of me and, and allowing to come to my life and press on me? Or is this something that I brought on myself? And it's something that God brought on you. He'll bring you up out at the proper time. But sometimes it's us that needs to step on out of the thing that we're in because it's a, it's a mess of our own making, right? So, you know, if you find yourself in, in a series of, of bad relationships and you're cussing people out or you're, and you're addicted to drugs or something else, that's something, that, that's, that's something you, you, need to, you need to cry out to God and step out of, right? But then, and, and the only way sometimes to know the difference between the thing that God has brought you into and the thing that you have brought your, yourself into is to ask the people in your life and to seek out counsel and wisdom. And that's why we believe in, in doing life together because the people outside of me see me a lot more clearly than I see myself. The only thing that I, like, I can't, I can't look into my own eyes, right? Like without a mirror. And then even looking into a mirror, it gets a little weird. You know, you're like, oh, what do I see? I don't know what to, what to think because my brain is processing me not as well as it processes somebody else. And so that's why we believe in doing life together. And um, so I would encourage you to do so. But uh, I just want to encourage anybody who's in those kinds of seasons. Was that accurate? Did I tell the truth? Yeah. So I've got some things that I want to say about, about membership that aren't in the documents but are important to the culture that we have here in Grace Covenant. Um, it's things, it's, it's things like this, that, uh, we're going to forgive quickly and we're going to be slow to take an offense. And, and I, if you're new here, I want to assure you that there's plenty of opportunity to be offended when you're doing life with even other believers. And I will give you plenty of opportunity to be offended. Every once in a while, I speak to social issues, especially issues related to race relations, because that's something that's very close to my heart. 
Uh, and so every political season, it gets a little bit awkward. It gets a little bit tense in here because there are some of you who voted for one candidate and some of you who vote for the other candidate and some of you who judge both of those people and, <laughs> and voted for another candidate and some of you who just don't vote at all and everybody's mad at you. And so there's kind of like that kind of awkwardness that kind of comes up. But that's the commitment of being in family. Because part of what happens when you're in family is you're committed to, to one another because of, because of, a, of a biological uh, similarity for us or, or a legal one. For us, it's, we're bound together because we find our primary identity in Jesus. And just the same way that we don't choose the physical family or the biological family that we're a part of, God places us in a spiritual family. And so I know some of you guys came to Grace Covenant uh, kicking and screaming. And some of you chose the more immediate family of Sterling uh, kind of kicking and screaming. But here we are, right? And, but there's opportunity. And we have family members. We've got the oldest child who's running everything. And we've got the little kid, the youngest child who is just life's a party. And they couldn't be bothered to do anything because they're just like, yeah, I'm here, party. And then we've got the middle children who are just trying to make everything okay. Right? We've got those kind of relationships. We have the conspiracy theorist family member. We have the, we have the, um, we have the CrossFit family members who are just like, they're just monsters in the gym. And we all feel like, like, what am I doing? You know, and, and they're like, bring Jesus a better body than the one you've got. And we're like, oh, you know, and it's like painful, right? And you're like, don't judge me. And then, and then we've got, we've even have like vegans in, in our, in, in our family. We got some vegans and we don't mind that they're judgmental and we love them. So, <laughs> um, so we, we got vegans in our family. And then we, we have a guy in our family who decided he was only going to eat meat. That was his response to the vegan and the vegetarian kind of movement. He's like, oh, well, there's plenty more meat for me. And he, he legit stood in my kitchen and was like, I'm choosing a diet of meat and, and meat only. And he's like, if vegetarians can do it, then I can do it. I'll get my veggies through the meat I'm eating. He's like, they've already metastas- meta- metabolized it for me, so I'll get the benefit of their hard work. He's like, because I'm not feeling the fiber. So it's like, okay, well, you'll be needing some fiber when you grow up a little bit. So um, that's just, if you're young, you'll know in 10 years, 15 years, whatever. Um, so, uh, so some other things. I'm not going to be involved just when it's convenient, right? It's like, you know, try not to skip Thanksgiving is all I'm saying, right? You know, it's like, oh man, I could sleep in today or I could go to be with the family in the kitchen. This is the family in the kitchen. Come, come be a part of this. Uh, families eat together, right? So eat with people, right? My, my friends down in Harrisonburg, Duck Church, they've got this saying, they said, there's no meeting without eating. I'm all about that. And I'm not above stealing it. I live that. So uh, families play together. Families play together. And so find opportunity to play with, to, to play, right? To, to have game nights or to, or to just hang out. Or to, that's why we had the, the cookout yesterday. And that's why uh, we're, we're eager to be with each other. And not just, not just to sit down and be serious all the time, but like relax and enjoy life with one another. Families fight for one another. They do. I mean, we, I, was, I was built to just fight. I'm, I'm just, I just want to fight. Right? Like, I might not be good at, like, staying in touch, like, when everything's cool. But when, when you got a fight, I'm in your corner, and I'll, I'll scrap. 
right? Like anybody who's been in a fight knows I'm, I'm, ready, to, I'm ready to fight. I'm, I will war with you and I will, I will pray for you and I will worship on your behalf. I will call down heaven and I, I'll show up and threaten somebody if I have to. I, like, I just threaten cancer. Like yeah, I'm going to murder you, cancer. Like cause, because I, cause really I'm, I'm like in it. And, um, but we fight for one another. Pastor Don Allen D.C. says family fights together, not, with the, not one another. I butchered that. He says it much better. And then everybody says it back because he said it. I don't even know. We'll move on. I'll get that later. <laughs> um, family fights together, not each other. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So maybe you got, did he say it when he was here? He didn't say it? I think we should say it though so you can feel it. So, so it's family fights together, not each other. So family fights together, not each other. One more time. Family fights together, not each other. Go ahead and look around at somebody and say, I'm fighting for you and I'm fighting with you. Is there anything more awkward in church than when somebody tells you to do that? You get the back of somebody's head. All the introverts want to die. The extroverts are like, we're having a party. <laughs> Um, in this family, we share the chores. Yeah. We share the chores. My growing up, my, growing up, my mom had this thing. We called it a murder style cleanup. See, <laughs> the murder style cleanup meant the whole family had to help clean the kitchen, which meant a lot of us had to use the restroom right after dinner all the time. But it's like, no, the whole family is going to contribute to getting this kitchen clean. And so it takes a whole lot of us to, to do, to gather like we do and for it to be significant and special. I mean, the, the things they do with the lights and the sound, I mean, guys, they transform this space. It's a, what, what our AVL team does is extraordinary. What would they do in the hallway? Hospitality, making cookies? What? You know, it's like we're a portable church. You don't do that unless you get people who love each other and want to like bless one another. And so we, we share the chores. And so we, we do do those things. Um, we're not going to, um, oh, there's so much I want to say. We're going to contribute to one another's needs. I, wanna, I do want to say that you guys are generous people, and you're extraordinary at giving. And I know we, we have a lot of opportunities to give, and we're going to give this Christmas in July offering at the end of the service that goes to, our, to the orphan, orphanages that we support and the orphans that we, we love and care for on the annual basis uh, through this offering and through many other things. But y'all are extraordinary givers. I mean, we're, we're almost done with our building. We're getting close on the building campaign. We've got probably 25 or 23% left to go, and we need to, we need to, we need to finish that. Um, but we keep putting out opportunities to give and sow and take advantage and, and, like, and leverage the fact that we're the most, most wealthy and prosperous people that exist basically in the history of the world and also geographically in the world by virtue of living in, in Loudoun County today. Now, if you live in, in Fairfax County, you're not off the hook because you're also very wealthy, but you're probably number three. <laughs> are, you, are you tracking? I mean, that's how kind of absurd the, the amount of money that it is that goes through our hands. And, and so we give these opportunities to give, and, and you all do faithfully give. Um, and then I'll just, uh, these last two, I won't, I won't just fade away. Uh, I won't just fade away. But if, but if I take issue with somebody or if I have offense, um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to people. 
I'll bring it up and I'll engage them in a conversation. Now, there's a difference between informing and looking for insight. Sometimes somebody comes to me and they say, I'm gone. And it's like, okay, so, okay. Right? And we're not going to stop anybody from leaving. We're not like, we're not going to like slash your tires as much as I might want to. Like, <laughs> We're not going to do anything like that, but, but we, we, uh, we would love to be invited into that process so that we can pray with you and help you discern the voice of God. And so that you don't just, so that if, if there is a, a gap in a relationship somewhere, so that we can see that get cleared up before you go, so that you don't just, so that you don't just run off in, into the same kind of problems. Um, I met a kid one time I was ministering to him. He got in trouble in South Riding. He got arrested for having weapons and a massive amount of drugs in his trunk because he was dealing in a, a school parking lot. And um, so when he finally got out of jail, he's like, when I get out, he's like, I'm going to go to Kentucky. And I was like, why are you going to Kentucky? And he goes, so, so I can be out of trouble. He goes, because there's, there's no trouble to be found in Kentucky <laughs> in, in his mind. I was like, yeah, it's just that you'll be there. And, and it's just that you managed to have weapons and drugs in a school parking lot and pop your trunk for a police officer. I don't think other people have a problem for you. Uh, you're going to go and you're going to find yourself in a very similar, if not worse, situation unless you change. And uh, so it is with us in relationships that we need to make sure that we do everything we can to have reconciliation before we go so that we don't, so that we don't accidentally go and recreate the same issues. And then one last thought. When we're, able, when we're no longer able to participate in this church body, in this church fellowship and community, I know, I know we've got to move. I know that God might lead you somewhere else. I'm, I get that. And I'm, I celebrate. I celebrate the way God moves people. It's, it's an awesome thing. And I've benefited greatly from people who have come from other churches and inspired me. And I know other churches have benefited from people who came up here and went other places. Like that, that's no problem with that at all. Excited about it. Um, and I know we've got to move. But here's the thing. If you have to move or, you have, or, or your time at Grace Covenant is, is up, uh, find a Christ-centered, spirit-empowered church as quickly as possible and plug in. Don't just check out. As much as Jesus is coming back for you, it's because you're a part of the bride. God loves the body. He loves the church. And that's the primary way that he established to, to, to disciple us, to train us, and to teach us about who he is and how he is. Amen? So a lot of thoughts on membership. I know if you're, if you're like, I, I don't know how this sounds to the person who's been hearing this list for, for a little while, uh, but, but don't let your ears become dull of it. I'll try and change it up a little bit for the next induction, but don't let your ears be tired of it. I guess I say it all the time because, because as we continue to grow, you're the ones who need to carry it. I can't be the one who carries this. If, if I say this, but you're not doing it, it means nothing. It has no power. It has no influence. It has no effect on the community that we're trying to reach and the community that we're trying to be. As we grow, it's more about how you're living than it is about what I'm saying that establishes what we can be. Does that make sense? Okay. So, um, so I, I do, I do want to briefly comment on, on Enoch, on his life, and basically on our lives. And um, uh, Hebrews 11 Five and six. If you could go ahead and stand, we'll read these two passages. But this won't even really be um, what we what we come out of. I just want to remind us 
uh, primarily about the life of Enoch because this is our jumping off, uh, our jumping off point for the idea that I want to share today. Um, so, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as a pleasing God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, your wisdom and your power, your insight, your love that allows us to learn about how Enoch lived in, 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 and that it could be an inspiration for us and how we can live and what's possible for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm not exactly certain about what it looked like for him to walk with God. Um, we just know that however it is that he walked, he lived a life of faith. So I'm not, I'm not sure what it is that caused him to be commended as having been walking with God. There are some things that we learn in scripture that will commend us as walking with God. There are things like your people will know that you're mine by your love, one for another. Right? That would commend us to the world is that we love one another. People would be able to look at the church and say, that's a particular people. That's a peculiar people. Look at them loving one another despite all the differences and despite all the opportunity for offense and all the opportunity for, for tension and for hatred to rise up for all the opportunity to be at odds with one another. There they are loving one another. There they are singing the praises of God together. There they are celebrating together. There they are calling each other family and, and meaning it, not just in a trite way, not being diverse on Sunday morning, but secluded the rest of the week. Not, not like wordsmithing or, or using, using language to describe something that's not really occurring on the weekly and daily basis in their lives. When they look at us, they should see this unity and see this fellowship and be stirred and go, man, that's a people who loves God. I don't know if it's, maybe it's, maybe it's how the gifts are being used. Right? Maybe it's the, the execution of his resources. Maybe it was somebody who was constantly giving and constantly giving away and constantly giving up and constantly serving so much that people were like, this is a man who's not living for himself. He must only be living to please God because no man would do that for himself. Whatever it is, we know that it was faith that caused him uh, to do the things that he did. And his faith was underlined by, by these two basic minimum beliefs that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And what's extraordinary about these two things is that God does exist. And the nature of God is that he's loving and he's caring, he's compassionate. And he defines by saying that he rewards those who seek him. Family, God will reward those who, seeks, who seek him and he rewards those who seek him with himself because as we seek after him, he's gonna draw near to us and that's the promise that scripture makes that he is faithful to fulfill that every single time. And so, so you know, the, the, the fear that we have when we open up the Bible that maybe God will like strike me with lightning or maybe God's not gonna show up or maybe God doesn't care or maybe God won't hear me. You need to silence those voices and say, maybe God will meet me. Maybe God will speak to me. Maybe God will train transform me. And now I'm going to step into this word and see if he'll have his, have his way with me. Now, what I asked us to do is I, I asked us to, to, um, I asked us to examine our faith, to make sure that we didn't accidentally settle for a pattern instead of seeking after and finding the person and the power of God. And today, all I want to do very briefly is I want to double click on that idea. 
Because we need to make sure that we don't settle for religion when relationship's available. That we don't just go through the motions and live a perfect life or try and live a pleasing life apart from the life of faith. Psalm 51. um, Psalm 51 says this. In uh, verse 15 through 17, he says, Oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. What God's not looking for from you is perfection. He's the one who's perfect. What he's looking for is people who say, God, I'm not perfect. You are. I'm going to hide myself in you. I'm going to bury myself in you through the cross and, and through your resurrection. I'm going I'm to make you the primary way that I'm identified. And I'm going to hide inside of you. Now, it doesn't mean that we just stay in the life that we're in. It's not like, hey, God, I'm jacked up. I'm going to hide in you and I'm going to keep on doing what I want. It's, God, I'm jacked up. I'm going to hide in you and allow you to change me and transform me and do through me what I'm unable to do for myself. The Christian life is, is not without effort. It's without earning. The Christian life is, is one where because of what Jesus has done on our behalf, we're able to serve him freely and we're able to enter into the new life that he has, us, has established for us, able to enter into the pastures and the green fields that he's provided for us, able to walk down the paths of righteousness for whose sake? His sake. We walk down paths of righteousness for his sake, not our own sake. And so we live and we, we live for him Oh, so much I want to say. Guys, the, 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 we, what we do, though, is we're like, hey, there's this pattern. I go to church, and I met God. I read my Bible, and I met God. So I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to read my Bible. And we, we forget about the finding God and the seeking God, and we start to rely on the pattern. Or we, we hear somebody pray a prayer a certain way. Has anybody ever done that? I heard, I heard Pastor Dehan pray a prayer one time. That was so powerful. Everybody in the room was crying. And I was like, oh, good prayer. And I prayed the same prayer a couple weeks later. Didn't move anybody. <laughs> Moved some people out of the room. It was kind of like, well, that was uninspired. You know, like, like, you know, it was just, it was like not, it was like there was no juice on it because I was looking for the form. I wasn't, I wasn't seeking after, I wasn't using faith. I was following a form without faith and it was not pleasing to God, nor was it helpful or beneficial for anybody in the room. Has anybody else followed a form? You heard somebody pray a prayer for dinner and you just followed the form that they prayed for dinner and it was like really unimpressive? Or you see somebody do something and you're like, oh, I'm gonna go and do things the exact same way and then you go and you do it. That's what happened to the seven sons of Sceva, right? The seven sons of Sceva, that's a really fun read for your five for five this week. If you wanna, if you just, it'll take you like 30 seconds to read it. Look up seven sons of Sceva and read about it. These guys knew Jesus had power, knew the people who were following Jesus had power. So they're like, so in the name of this guy, we try to cast you out. And the demon was like, nah, you're not, you're, you're operating through a pattern. So you have no power. And so, because you're not engaging with the person of God. They didn't know Jesus. They, they, knew that the, they knew the pattern of the form. And so they got stripped naked and beat. Tell me the Bible's boring. <laughs> Guys, the, 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 the pattern is not the person of God any more than the, the lines on a sports field are the game. 
By the way, the, I know the World Cup's probably started, so you can check. I won't judge you. <laughs> um, but, the, but, the lines, but the lines on the field aren't the game. It's where the game is played. The game is played inside of those lines. The, the power of God is found inside of, of the, 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 the pattern. But God likes to color, and it, like his pattern is different than the one. We're like, oh, I'm going to find God in that bridge of the song. And like when we sing that verse for the second time, that's where God lives in that second verse of that song. I've got great news for you. Beyond that pattern of God living inside of that second verse, God lives in the third verse too. He lives in the, he lives in the, the chorus and the bridge. He lives in that song you don't even like. He, he lives inside that, in, inside that song that when you heard it here, you were like, eh, I think I'm going to find another church. Because the worship's not black enough or the worship's not white enough. Right? It's, or, or, or it's too black or it's too white. Right? He lives in that song too. Was that awkward enough? I will just jump free. <laughs> he lives in the song you despise. He lives in the solo you didn't like. He lives in the sermon you don't enjoy. He lives in those Bible verses that you just that stay away from. He lives in the whole, he, he lives in those genealogies that we don't like so much. He didn't say like most of this is the inspired word of God or this is the, like he didn't say all, he didn't say some teaching is benefit, beneficial for correction, rebuke and training in righteousness. He didn't say that in 2 Timothy 3.16. It says that all scripture is God breathed and beneficial. All scripture. So it's not like, oh, let's rip out that really awkward part where all those people die, right? And like, let's, let's get rid of that because no, 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 no. It, all of it, all of it is beneficial. And it's all God breathed and it's for us and for our benefit, though we don't sometimes understand it the same way we don't understand how broccoli is beneficial for us when we're young. But it is. Family, the, I, we, serve, we, we serve, know, and love a, a supernatural God who, who, by miracle of miracles, uh, desires for us to be in relationship for him. And that's what he offers for us in Jesus Christ. Like I think sometimes we're so modern in our mindset that we're like, yes, God exists, and we, and we leave it there. But he's a God who desires to be experienced. He's a God who desires to be, to be cherished and held and, and who desires to, to, to hold us and draw us near. He's a God who we can encounter and who can transform us. I mean, it's like we need to make sure that we don't just leave him, that we don't just, that we don't just read the menu all the time or talk about God without ever stepping in and experiencing the fullness of God. And, and so uh, I feel like what's, what's happening in, in us as a people right now is that God is inviting us into a, a new place of faith where we enter in and we, don't, we, we welcome the pattern. We welcome Sunday morning and doing things the same way so that we know what's happening. It's not confusing. Like, hey, what's going to happen now? I don't know. We might be singing a song or, right? But we, we're going to follow some things and there's going to be some pattern. There's going to be some form to what we do, but it's not about the form and it's not about the pattern. It's about using those things so that we can meet with the person of God so that we can encounter Jesus, so that we can experience the Holy Spirit, so we can, we can kind of enjoy the love of the Father, so that we can have all of God, the best that we're able to have him. And that's what we're being invited into. And it's my hope that at the end of our life, at the end of our life, at the end of our life together, that we'd be, people would be able to, to be able to say, they walked with God. Grace Covenant walked with God. 
JC walked with God. Stephen Jarvis walked with God. Matt walked with God. Andrew walked with God. And that's, my, that's my greatest hope. So I just want you this week, please take time and consider and reflect. And have I, have I settled for a program? And missed the power of God. And, and if you have, it's, it's, not, it's not like the end of the world. You just, you just maybe, maybe we could pray now if you already know that you have. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and close in prayer. Reggie, if you could come up and I'll just close in prayer. And if you've fallen into a, if you've fallen, if you're like, man, I'm living, like, I'm just like, my life has become a cookie. I'm a cookie cutter Christian and I'm just kind of doing the same things. I'm just going through the motions and, and man, I don't even really, I don't even experience God. I don't even really know God. I've just been kind of like expecting more form and more uh, rules and more, uh, more pattern to, to establish my way. I want to pray with you. I want to invite you to pray with me that we would encounter the power and the love of God this week in a way that we've never experienced him before. Amen? So if that's you, you don't even have to raise your hand. Just pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I repent. God, I, I've settled in my relationship with you for a program. I've outsourced our relationship to church services or to small groups, to podcasts. God, I've, I've settled for a pattern and I've been looking to the pattern to be the thing that delivers me and gives me meaning and purpose. I don't, I don't, that's not what I want. God, I want to be, I want to be yours. I want to find you. So God, I ask that you would awaken me to see where you're at work. Teach me to seek after you. Help me to find you in my workplace. Help me to find you in my family. Thank you that you made a way for us to have access to you in Jesus. God, don't let me, don't let me settle. The faith I have, I exercise in this moment to believe you and trust you more in Jesus' name. Amen.